And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling Made and angry Hear that co-host shouting It's Dainer and Jay Let's hear you. Everybody out here at 50 West, a little noise for us tonight. How about that? Welcome in to hear that podcast ground. We are live at 50 West Brewing Company. It's up. Jay, it is an active night out here. It is. I, I, I can't stop taking, or I can't take my eyes off the volleyball courts over there. Jay, you're addicted. Stop trying to play sand volleyball. <laughs> if anybody needs a sub, we know. We, I brought my clothes. I, I will change and play if anybody needs a sub after this. At least you brought clothes. That's important. Uh, <laughs> we, we've got a fun show here planned. I'm excited about having people here, uh, not only for us to chat, but take some questions as we will later. But it's, it's going to be a cavalcade of legendary guests here. And Mo Egger is also here <laughs> to join us. I don't know why you need me. I don't either. I don't, just know why, I don't know why either of you need me. You have some other folks who are far more insightful than me. My presence. I'm happy to be here. They've got beer. But uh, this podcast would have been fine without me. That's correct. Yeah. But I, but I also am excited to have you here because y you get to drink. We have a lot. Is there anything we haven't covered? I feel we've been doing season preview yeah. for really a number of months. It's got to be the exhausting thing for you guys because I've got a red season. I've got college football. I've got the Big 12. i got other stuff. I can put the Bengals away for a while. When that's your life, like you guys, oh, I don't know what you do. You're tapped out. Now, today, right when I thought there was nothing else to talk about, Jamar Chase was talking about the difference between the football, between college and pro, and people... Three days ago. Lost their... Yeah, I read that in Jeff's and Jeff Hobson's piece, and then the internet runs wild, and I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but usually when the internet runs wild with something, I often don't think it's that big of a deal, That's but apparently correct. it was for a lot of folks. Apparently it was. We'll, we'll, let's, we'll start there. Uh, I do want to mention that we're going to have uh, Charlie Goldsmith from The Inquirer and James Rapine from Sports Illustrated. All Bengals are going to join us a little bit later, unless James big times us. 
It's happened. It has it's happened. Bad. Thinks he's better than us. Uh, but we'll have them come up. And really, it's going to be like, it's like a podcast transformer. We're all going to mold <laughs> together the, the Bengals Beat podcast uh, and Locked On Bengals and hear that podcast growing all coming together to form one giant force of Bengals takes. Awesomeness. Yeah. <laughs> as awesome as we can make it. I, but no matter how bad we are, you're here, you're at 50 West, you can drink and make us sound better, so please do that. Uh, and Optimistic Bobby is here somewhere. He will have to come and make us all feel better about the state of the Bengals season. We'll, get, we'll make sure we get to that when we can track him down. Um, let's start with what you brought up already. Everybody wants to talk about Jamar Chase's drops. Everybody wants to talk about what is going to happen with Jamar Chase. Everybody wants to talk about the fact that the football has stripes in college and is brown in the NFL. I can't believe we've reached this point. I never thought we'd come to this point. NFL season's a little bit too long. Can it, this game just kick off? The, the hour cannot come soon enough <laughs> where we're talking about things besides stripes on footballs. I'll start with this, Jay. Where... Where is your Jamar Chase concern level at now with 10 being like, oh, my God, did you hear about the stripe thing? And one being Pro Bowl. One being Pro one Bowl? One being Pro Bowl, least amount of concern. Oh, one yeah. low is good here. Golf. I'll, I'll say three. I, I just – it is something. I just don't think it's going to be ongoing. I, I think there's something to the fact that – he gets two or three snaps in a game, in a preseason game, and then he's out. Now, he does get a full load in practice, and we've seen a lot of drops in practice. We've seen some bad drops in practice. It's one thing to drop it in a game when you've got a safety closing on you and he's going to take your head off. You know you're not going to get hit in practice. But we've seen this across the league, not just wide receivers. We saw, we've seen guys that's opted out of the 2020 season in college struggle to get going this year. It's hard enough to go straight from college to the pros, put an off year in between there. And there it is, it's just going to take some time to get used to it. It is concerning because it seems like it's a pretty basic job requirement to catch the ball for a wide receiver. But there, there's so many other things that go into it. Learning the offense, feeling comfortable. I just think he's overthinking it. I think he goes out, makes a couple catches Sunday, and it all clicks. And it's not, I'm not saying he's never going to drop a ball again the rest of the season. All rookies do. But I don't think it's going to be something we're talking about ad nauseum for the rest of the season. Where's your number, Mo? You strike me as somebody who has watched a lot of uh, Save by the Bell <laughs> in your life. That's fact. Right? Yeah, I was going to actually end tonight with the like freeze frame high five by all of us together for okay. doing this. Sure. So yes, if you're asking, yes, I've all watched right. a lot of. So Saved by the occasionally Bell. on that show, Zach would stop what was happening with his buddies at Bayside. Zach Morris, timeout. Call timeout and address the camera. Yeah. If you really want to know my level of concern on Sunday, when the ball is in the air headed towards Jamar Chase, and it's a critical down, a critical play. If we could stop the game and have me address you up there in the press box and go, okay, Paul, my concern level right now is a 10, <laughs> uh, we, we, that's what I would do. Yes. I can't do that. Uh, am I concerned about it for the purposes of him having a good game on Sunday? Sure. Right. Am I concerned about it 
for his career? No. I do feel for him because y you guys know, especially in this day and age, how hard it is for these guys to shake narratives, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, it, Andre Smith was deep into a successful NFL career, and I would still have people send me his combine workout. It was awful. It was awful. And, yeah. and frankly, it reminded me a lot of myself. Yeah. Uh, but... It, it just it takes a while for these guys to shed unfortunate narratives, and the way that story sort of just blew up today certainly didn't help. Jamar Chase is probably going to be fine, and he's probably going to be as as a quality NFL wide receiver. Will be as good as everybody hopes. I don't know, but is he is he going to catch more balls than he drops? I believe that wholeheartedly. That doesn't that's not going to do me any good if it's fourth and six with two minutes to go, and Jamar Chase is the target. And the ball's in the air, and I'm holding my breath. In that moment, I have concern. I believe by the end of the season, we're going to be looking back on this and going, well, that was something interesting to talk about in August, but it doesn't matter in December. As long as it didn't cost them a game. Yeah. That, I mean, to me, it's not, to me, it's not about, while it's about the drops, it's not about that. It's about placing such a huge chip on somebody to come in and be really important immediately who's a rookie no matter where you were drafted mm -hmm. that and, and at that position i mean look at t higgins last year if i if this year ended and i told you that jamar chase replicated what t higgins did last year you should be a you should be so happy i mean you should be doing cartwheels Sign by that, for that right that's now. unbelievable yeah. t higgins couldn't play in front of, couldn't get snaps in front of John Ross. He was running the wrong route. He wasn't doing stuff. He admits in game three, he might have cost him the game because he didn't get his hands up late like he should have against Philadelphia. T. Higgins was kind of messy early last year. Mm -hmm. And then he figured it out. Justin, we talked about this in the podcast on Tuesday. Yeah. Justin Jefferson was a backup to some dude named B.C. I never did look up his name. B.C. Johnson. B. Johnson. Johnson. The first couple of weeks last year. And then Week three or four hits it. They are they need Jamar Chase to be really good to win important games and a very important stretch for them. Mm -hmm. A critical crossroads organizationally. The fact that that is such a big bet that they have going right now is where I land more on the level of concern. Not in uh, not necessarily on who Jamar Chase is going to end up being, even this year. I think I don't think we're really talking about this at all in in a month or two. Mm -hmm. But for the first three weeks. When they can't afford to start 0-3, I wonder, and I've aired this many times to in questions to Zach, in, que in questions on the podcast, I, I think there has to be a role for others to take a little bit of the load off of Jamar Chase early. I need to see 10 to 15 snaps for Auden Tate, mm -hmm. okay? Something, or more 12 personnel that you're running, trying to run the ball out of. Something where you're not putting... Let's not. Can we not see Jamar Chase at ninety percent of the snaps on Sunday? And maybe that's a question of what that will end up at. Well, I mean, it comes down to what what do those first couple targets look like? Because if if you hit a couple big plays early, then then maybe you do stick with him. But if he has a drop or two early, it's obviously mental, and that's something that's going to be in his head. You have to worry about him thinking about it with a stadium full of people. There's these crowds are quick to boo. I don't know if that will happen to Jamar. There'll be groans for sure. And so I think a lot of it will depend on – and you asked Zach about this if he had a plan B. But I, I, I do think that he's going to have to pivot. If, it, if he starts slow early with a couple drops, they are going to have to get him out of there and put Auden Tate in a little more, start spreading the ball around to some other guys. But if he comes out and catches the first two or three, makes a couple first downs, then, yeah, put him out there the whole time. 
they've said they believe in him. Zach has been emphatic about it. Joe Burrow has been emphatic about it, at least publicly to you guys. Let's see it. Give him a shot. And if he doesn't take advantage of that shot, he is going to get hear the groans. He is going to get booed. Um, and I think you have to have a, a quick trigger in terms of well, we have to have a plan B. And I would like to think they're smart enough to have one built in. Yeah. Especially because they do have a guy like Auden Tate who catches everything. Yeah. But uh, to me, just for the for the guy mentally, I, I know this sounds it, it's this sounds easy. This is easier said than done. But get him a catch early. Let him get hit. Let him hang on to the ball. Maybe he gets a first down. Crowd cheers. He's into it. I agree. That could also blow up, and it's another drop, yeah. and here we go again. But if you believe in him, don't tell me. Show me. So let's see him get going early. There's a reason you took him with the fifth overall pick. Let's go. Throw it deep. Yeah. I think what's happened so far, all the short intermediate stuff has been the problem. Yeah. Send him deep. Let him go get one contested catch situation and make a big play the place goes bananas and jamar chase thinks he's a superhero send him deep enough of the short crap where you're like trying to be cute with them let him go play let him go feel like he's making a big play i would do that on the first drive i'd have a you remember we i think we i don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or where i talked about it for when they were worried about John Ross's confidence in, in the opener in Seattle, they drew up the flea flicker play yeah. for John Ross to get him, and it was made for him. He caught it. He made a big play, and that the next two weeks, he ran up a bunch of yards, and we spent the whole time talking about his confidence and how John Ross finally got his confidence, and here you go. I think you do a similar type of thing where you have the number one deep type play that you love the most set up for Jamar Chase to go make it and get him involved early. That's what I would do. Let's uh, let's you have one more. I was gonna say it makes sense on both ends because if he hits, if you may, if you hit it, all of a sudden he's got that excitement. He's he's got the momentum. If he drops it, it's not getting intercepted and taken back the other way. A slant or a screen might. And as someone who's lived my life looking for loopholes, that's a fact. <laughs> I have a question. I wonder: is it specifically written in the NFL rule book that you cannot paint white lines on the ball? Exactly. I know they don't come that way, but could right. they do that? I think it's a great question. This <laughs> All is exactly... Bengals home footballs get now get white stripes. No, there's the dude on the sideline <laughs> with the K thing, and he's throwing in the balls, right? That guy? Yeah. The... I mean, do you think... There's K balls. Now there would be right. J balls. Do you think anybody legitimately would notice? I'm not being serious. But do but, but you think anybody would... When they send in the white stripe ball, you know it's going to Jamar? Well, but I mean, just <laughs> as a general rule... If suddenly a white ball was in play, would anybody really notice? Yes. I do feel like people would notice the ball was white, Mo. Mike Zimmer would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Was, oh, it's a white ball. It's a white ball. Uh, let's 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 flip By over. The way, they should have a white ball in the NFL because a a the ball like the money the ball. Yeah. Ooh, you get like you get nine points instead of six. A beautifully thrown like Jeff Blake style deep pass is beautiful. It's even prettier when you've got that. Those two white circles. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, aesthetically what, pleasing. Okay, so we're we're gonna ask it. I'll make sure next year at the owners' meetings I uh, stand up. Do that for me, Raj. I have a question. <laughs> have you thought about having a special white ball? Uh, this question comes from Mo Egger in Cincinnati. Yeah, please. Yeah, okay. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, let's talk about somebody real quick who um, has proven himself, and that's the quarterback, number nine, Joe Burrow. Um, does anybody here like Joe Burrow? Yeah, uh, he's popular, and he's pretty good. Uh, oh, this is, we must stop for this. I would love a beer. Thank you very much. Uh, coast to coast for me, please. Uh, the number eight. He, he just won the gift card for best question. He said, would you like another beer? Yeah, yeah. I really think that at this point, we just give it to him. We just give him the, the gift card. We'll, we'll get to those uh, in a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Joe Burrow. I got to say, I, in my season predictions, I, I, I was originally thinking that I, 6 and 11. I, I, I was just like not feeling it. Yeah. And then I said, Paul... Can you just look yourself in the mirror for a second and say if you really want to bet against Joe Burrow? I have everybody has been betting against this guy, you know, trying to since he was at Athens High School, and he has proven everybody wrong, and he's done it time and again. And anytime you've wondered if he could do something or what it would be, he's done it and done it better than you thought. And I don't think – I think people are low on the Bengals and take it, killing the under right now on the Vegas line of six and a half because they're betting against Joe Burrow. And that is a fool's errand. I am not going to bet against him, and I think he is one of the most exciting storylines to watch this season in the NFL across the league. And I'm not just saying that because I'm going to be the one watching it every week. I, I think he's going to play great, and he's the reason I, I think I – believe in a lot of what they're doing because i think he'll cover up so much yeah i mean i would agree with you if this was tennis or golf but it's it's not i'm not necessarily betting against joe burrow it's more betting against the rest of the roster and you're right he can cover a lot up but there's I'm only not trying to get him to the playoffs yeah but still i'm not i'm not ready to go over 500 yet i as good as he is as far as he can take this team i still think it's this is a growing season this is this is the the springboard season and you can start talking about playoffs next year but i I would not you're right i would not bet against him i think he's going to be fine but there's there's so many other elements to this team that that you're not quite as sure about what is the highest win total that would constitute a disastrous season. Four? Five? Three. Three? All right. I refuse to believe that if Joe Burrow plays 17 games, they're winning two or three games. They better not. I, I just, I refuse to believe that. 
Because that either means we've horribly overrated him, or this team is just a bigger wreck than anybody is even willing to acknowledge. They, I they were a total mess last year, mm-hmm. and when he played, they were 2-7-1. and one. Yeah. I mean, you're talking four or five wins, and they are obviously, undeniably better this year than right. around him than they were last year, a guy that was learning in his first year. Yeah, and... Who knows what those last six games look like? I mean, that was the exciting thing. I, I talked about it with both you guys at the bye. They were going to play Pittsburgh, and then there was going to be this slew of games against very beatable teams, and now, all right, he takes everything he learned in the first half, and he channels it into a big second half. We don't know what that would have looked like. Um, and because of that, you know, there's a lot of folks who are maybe sitting on their hands when they come to Joe Burrow's expectations. I just know this. I was bullish on the Bengals taking that dude when I watched him in college. I was as excited as I've been, maybe as an adult, about who the Bengals quarterback was uh, when in the run-up to the draft. There has been nothing that I've seen from him that has dissuaded me from that. There has been nothing that he has done to make me feel like, you know what, my evaluation was wrong. And by the way, so is everybody else's evaluation. You've written extensively about the second-year leap, and that could look like a bunch of different things. I cannot imagine that he is a worse player, if healthy, this year than he was last year. I cannot imagine that he doesn't take a step forward. That step forward, to me, is good enough to at least in part overcome a slew of uncertainties and question marks that we have about this team. Does that mean six wins, seven wins, eight? I don't know. Who knows? But it doesn't mean that they're drafting in the top three or four. It doesn't mean they're drafting in the top five. It doesn't mean that they lose so many games that the season is considered an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, I I mean, I would would totally agree with that. And I just think when you look around at quarterbacks that play at the level that a realistic jump for Joe Burrow would be, would entail – Ranking somewhere in the important statistics between 10 and 15, let's say, mm-hmm. is a almost modest expectation for a guy of his pedigree, of his expectation, and the pieces that he does have around him. Those teams win lots of games. It's the NFL. It's coach and quarterback league. That's what it is. If you have a good quarterback, it covers up everything else. It, it, it makes... Andy Reid, who's been a great coach who couldn't win the big one, now one of the greatest coaches of all time because Patrick Mahomes took you there. Right. It makes all of these people better. And that is what it, that is what I think Burrow can do, not to get you to 10 or 11 or 12. They're going to need better team another offseason to get there. Mm-hmm. They need better pieces around him to get to that level. But to get to 8, to 7... I think Burrow alone taking a big jump gets them there, barring a Houston Texans Deshaun Watson style total disaster happening around him. And I just don't foresee that. Well, the variable that I think gets left out a lot is we say, uh, okay, he's healthy. Uh, he, he overcame the, the confidence in the knee and the, the mental block and all that. It doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. What happens the first time he takes a low hit? Does, does some doubt start creeping back in? Does he feel sore? Does he get gun shy? I, I think he's, he himself, if he is the Joe Burrow that we know, yes, all that is in play, but it's, it's a wild card. You just you don't know how a guy's going to react until he takes those hits, and, and, and especially if it's a low hit and he feels a little tweak in the knee. Um, it, it can it can rattle a guy for a year or so after coming back from that, and so I, I think that's something that is in play that nobody can really gauge until it happens. 
But didn't it happen, Jay? Didn't we see it the first two weeks of training camp? That's why I love that that happened. Because here's the thing. He went out there and he was going through. We talked a, a ton about this. Anybody that's listened to the podcast or listened to me on Mo Show or anywhere about how it was basically like watching someone go through the last piece of a rehab in front of your eyes. Like, like watching them run on a treadmill for the first time. You watched him go out and be in a pocket for the first time and feel that out. And, and it was tough. And he admitted it was challenging and he wasn't doing it well and he had to figure it out. And there were a number of reasons he came out of it and has been great and looked like himself for the last really three weeks, two, three weeks. The fact that he went through that, maybe he goes through some small version of that early in the season, or maybe even a big version of that early in the season. I think it's helpful that, look, I went through this before. How can we work it? Let's work the problem. Let's get over it, just like we did in camp, and you can see him come out of it quickly. Whereas maybe with other guys, it might rattle them for the duration of their rookie year that haven't had the ability to know that they can get themselves through it. Yeah, I just think there's a big difference between I might get bumped, I might get tripped, to I, I might get a helmet and a shoulder pad in the knee. It's, it's, it's going to be different when the live action's going. This guy is betting against Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying what if. Wow. I mean, nice. Ni- you picked the right topic for this crowd. <laughs> what if he gets hurt? <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, look, I mean, I, I'm, I think uh, it's exciting. I think, I think the Bengals are lucky to have one of the most exciting players in the league, and his storyline is going to be fascinating to track as the year goes along. I mean, I wrote about it today or this morning about, you know, I loved – talking of him talking about the ownership of the game plan that he has now mm-hmm. of the offense that he has now you know the stuff at the line is typical like oh yeah gear two guy knows he's making more checks he's making more calls he's getting to the right plays that's a storyline kind of as old as time really with quarterbacks the fact that he's like just admitting yeah i'm kind of like doing the game plan now yeah like that i i think that's a far under talked about storyline the ownership he's taking of this offense and the advantage that is for you when you get out there that he's really and I think this is something where you got to give Zach Taylor credit for a lot of offensive play callers would be like uh could you sit in your chair for a little longer before you go telling me how to but he understands I think they really understand the importance of a quarterback feeling extreme ownership over what they're calling what they're doing and installing everything the way they want it to be installed yeah I mean it's it feels like it's his team it feels like it's it's genuinely his offense and he's not as much along for the ride as he might have been last year. Look, they drafted this dude, and we were all excited about it because we thought he could save the franchise. I get it. Uh, he suffered a devastating knee injury last year. I've never been hit by a defensive lineman. I've never taken a shoulder to the knee, and those things are never going to happen, and those things can certainly alter where you are mentally. But everything I watched about this guy, everything that, you know, this wasn't just a guy that we were asking to come here and play quarterback and throw a pass. We were asking him to lift this franchise out of a multi-year muck, make people excited about it again, make people care about them again, uh, change the, the culture and the tone in the locker room, save Zach Taylor's job. We were excited about him because he possessed all of the, the right tangibles, right? Boy, he can make all the throws. He's great pre-snap. He gets rid of the football quickly. But what really drew people to him? was the intangibles. Yeah. This dude just has it. And so I defer to that until I see in a competitive environment reason for me not to. I'm not I can't get inside the guy's head and say he's fixed mentally. 
And I'm certainly not going to discount what it's like when the bullets are flying and, uh-oh, he's taking a couple of hits and he did just have that knee injury. All I could tell you is forget the quarterbacking part of it. Everything I saw about that dude made me go, that's the guy that I want. Yeah. That's the guy that can save this franchise. That's the guy that can handle everything that's going to go into being the face of the Cincinnati Bengals because I believe he's capable of doing that. I, I have almost no concerns about where he may be mentally. I totally agree. I, I, I think if you ask the, who's the one person you want to have handling the mental aspect of something that's incredibly challenging, it's that guy. Yeah. yeah. And and you love and you love uh, getting on his coattails. Um, they just pulled up a chair for James Rapine like we wanted him to sit. <laughs> well, here. let me just explain what happened here. Okay, James started basically his career working with me. That's correct. Here's how well working I taught for him. you, I believe. Well, I didn't pay him, but <laughs> here's how well I taught him. He shows up to be on the air. And he sits at the opposite end of where the microphone is. That's true. <laughs> there is another mic down here. I do. I do appreciate though that like when you're when you when you have locked on Bengals, and and I, I didn't. I, didn't I, did, I certainly didn't ask you to sit next to me. Oh, I, I might uh, sit on your lap. Wow. When you when you have. A podcast of your cachet. Uh, when, that's where you, I was. Yeah, I was busy. I, I mean, that's what happens when you're when you're actually putting out content every single day, right? Yeah, it's tough to keep up for fun events like this where you hang out and drink beer. For the fifteenth time, I talked about how hard it's going to be to stop Dalvin Cook. Yeah, how many ways can you say that? Yeah, well, we, I have all fifteen. Yeah, all fifteen. Well, we don't need any of those because we don't care about that here. No, uh, no, that's fine. You care about Joe Burrow. I we're guess kind of, that's we're kind, we're the kind of playing the hits today, James. Is okay. kind of where we're is kind of where we're going. Um, what we're go what I want to do a lot of is, Zach Taylor talk. It sounds like we haven't gone there yet. I, we we focused on uh, yeah, we focused on the, the guy with the cardboard cutout over there. Oh, uh, and pick. yeah, and uh, and then the guy who wears number all the jerseys out here. Do you mostly. think if they snuck a ball with white stripes on it, anybody would notice for Jamar? I still think he might drop it after what I said. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not encouraging. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Um, we, it's, it's, we're going to try. I think next year, if you'll come with me at the owners' meetings, we're going to ask Raj if, if he'll put that in as a... So as did, you guys talked about this? Yeah, we don't yes, want yeah. you to comment on it. We're Probably making Probably more than we really wanted to. Yeah. In, okay. fact that, in fact, that you circled back on it is concerning. I didn't even bring it up today on my pod, so <laughs> it's, 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 I'm glad someone did. Yeah, it's a good idea. Um, here's what I want to do. We've got a, a couple more uh, local luminaries, I believe, uh, here with us I want to bring up. Uh, Jeff Hobson is here, and uh, Charlie Goldsmith is here. Charlie from The Inquirer, Jeff from Bengals.com, and I think we should all put our heads together, so to speak, on some questions hmm. and talk our way through some things. I don't know if it's going to be therapy or just just playing the, the I other I thought hits. you were replacing me that quick. I kind of wanted to. Like, I was like, damn, I'm going to yeah. grab a beer. Yeah, I kind of wanted to. Which is probably uh, better than talking to you anyway. Here, so here's what <laughs> I'm we're going to do. <laughs> uh, Butch, come on around this side. You guys can share this one and you all can share oh. this one. And we'll just we'll we'll run through some topics here. Share a microphone or a chair. A microphone. Do okay. not share a chair. <laughs> Jeff, if you could sit on Mo's lap, <laughs> just just get as comfortable as you need. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> 
I've got a few. I've got a few can, questions. Uh, can somebody can somebody ask you about my Mo about how concerned I am about Mo Wager compared to Jamal Chase? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we got to be more concerned about Mo. I'm concerned about the wire and the beers. If, if you want to talk, are we going to be okay about this? If you want to talk about somebody's mental issues? Okay, I'm the guy. Yes, that's true. Oh, look at this! A wow. chair. Stripe Squad is here, coming through. Yeah. Taking care of bangles.com over here. That's right. Taking care of their old man. That's right. <laughs> Your people. No wheelchair. That's right. Good to see the Stripe Squad out here who are also out at all the games, uh, run through the tailgates, and they're out the new Jungle Zone, which is out uh, over by Icon. Uh, I call it the Brady. I don't like that they're calling it Icon. The word Brady, it's not going to catch on, but that's what I'm going to do. Wow, that was really widely panned. No, I'll do it. I, yeah. I just feel like it's not called Goat Music Center, though. No. People call him the Goat, though, not Icon. Not Icon. It's enough. Okay. <laughs> I could go on about Brady. We could turn this into a Brady show. So that's. Yeah, we will not yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, we don't want to do that. He's got, a pretty, we're he's got do. a pretty good record. He's got a pretty good record at the Paul. All right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Here we're going to do, we're going to do, I got some questions for everybody. We'll go around the horn here. Let's start with you, Jeff. Why, and this is perfect for Bengals.com, why are you most optimistic about the 2021 Cincinnati Bengals. The same reason that I apparently enraged the fan base back in match when I had the audacity to say that they had to improve the defense. How many... (laughs) Statting in when Trevor Simeon, someone named Trevor Simeon, sifted them for four touchdown passes in 2016. This has not been, you know, your... You know, the defense that had been... We had known since Zimmer, yeah. you know. So for four years, they've kind of flailed around trying to find, trying to stop the run. I think they've actually done that, and they've gotten edge guys that actually stopped the run. I think Hendrickson is a man. I mean, I think he can play. You know, I think Logan Wilson can play. These are guys, Larry Ojanobi. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Ogan Joby. They still haven't blocked him. They didn't block him for four <laughs> years. They didn't block him in training camp. So why should they start now? So I, I, I think they're, the defense is better. That's why I think they'll be better. I mean, that's fair. I, I, I don't, I do think the defense will be better. 
Here's the thing, James. Tell me what you think about this opinion that I have on the defense. Because we're allowed to talk. Are we allowed to talk about the defense? We are. Still? Okay. Uh, I think what I learned in training camp the most was that the ceiling on this defense is higher than I thought it would be. They may still not be great. They may still be 20-whatever. But I think you can see a path to 11, 12. You can see a path to that potentially with the group that I've put out there, whereas coming into it, I did not see that path. I thought, man, if they could get to 16 or 17, that'd be incredible. Yeah, best case was 17th or 18th or 20th, right? And that would still be a uh, an upgrade. So I agree with you. I think the ceiling's higher because of Chidobe Uzia, a big part of that. I mean, how impressive was he in camp? And I'm not going to pretend like I knew a lot about him or watched him a lot at Colorado or with Dallas, but... Not just Jamar Chase going up against T. Higgins and, and making plays day in and day out. And then Burrow praises him yesterday. And it's just like, okay, well, maybe he is cornerback one, even though everyone's talking about Trey Wayne's not being out there and all of that stuff. So if you have a guy like that that's going to make plays, and to Jeff's point, you have a guy like Trey Hendrickson who had a really good camp. I thought he gave Jonah Williams all he could handle at times during those team periods and has looked good in, in really, really limited snaps in the preseason. So if that happens, right, so if Awuzie is really good and Hendrickson's really good, we know Bates is amazing. And, okay, how much does linebacker really matter in today's NFL? Well, ask me Sunday after they play Dalvin Cook. But you could see three of areas, three key areas, where there are guys that are legitimate number ones that could carry that position group. So I agree with you. Where are they worse on defense? You asking me? I'm, I mean, I'm asking, uh, yeah. Where, uh, where, where, where do you feel like they're worse on defense today than they were at the middle of last year? Worse? Anywhere? I, I, I think their biggest – I don't know about worse because worse is relative. They were awful last year. I'm really concerned, though, about the, the pass rush slash defensive end depth. Like, I like Hendrickson a lot, and I know what Sam Hubbard brings – what are you getting after that pass rush-wise? Yeah, when you lose three guys that you plan to be in that depth, it, it hurts. What is Darius Hodge? Is he a preseason star, or is he somebody that can maybe give you something? I don't know. Yeah, if if Osai was healthy, I think Hodge is on the practice squad. Yeah. So, yeah. like, now banking on Darius Hodge to be this guy that's going to set the edge and be good against the run, I, I just think that's unrealistic. So does he have enough juice to at least get after quarterbacks? Maybe, but we'll see, and that's a question mark. And it wouldn't have been a question mark, I don't think, if Osai was healthy. Yeah. I, I don't know that I would say where they're worst, but my biggest question is I, don't, I still don't think we know who Jermaine Pratt is. And yes, Logan Wilson has really ascended and looks like he's going to be everything he's supposed to be. That's my biggest question mark is that other linebacker spot. Can Jermaine Pratt put it together? I, I think I think the D line is going to be fine. I, I I would not be surprised if they double their sacks from last year, and get up in that thirty three, thirty four range. Not hard to do when you no, really yeah, from seventeen. <laughs> they have to, to. <laughs> like yeah, like if it's only thirty percent more, that's not enough. They really yeah. do have to double it plus. Yeah, and and, and Jeff's right. It, it, Stopping the run is so important, but the most important thing is taking the ball away. And we saw it from the get-go in camp. It was a big reason why Joe Burrow had the struggles. It wasn't all in his head. It was those guys on the other side of the field. I think this defense is going to be really opportunistic. They're going to get more pressure. They're going to get more turnovers. And I, I think that's the biggest reason for optimism is even if teams drive the ball on them, run the ball, they're going to find ways to stop drives with turnovers 
or a big thing we talked about on the podcast, if they can buck up in the red zone and hold teams to three instead of seven, that'll be a big part of it. They, I, for forever, we were saying top 20 is just get there. They don't have to be great. Just don't be terrible. Yeah. And you're right. I, I think... 15 to 12 is totally in play right now. I, I, Charlie, what, what, tell me this. Are you buying the defense? Are you, are you buying the defense right now? You asked a really good question. Where are they worse? And there is one spot. They let William Jackson walk and didn't replace him with an experienced number one cornerback who had done it in that role before. Awuja was not even a full-time starter last season. They also added Mike Hilton in the slot. But they are betting after all of the LaShawn Sims and Darius Phillips starts last season that it's more more important to have a second cornerback, a third cornerback, and a fourth and fifth cornerback than have a number one guy. That's the bet they made. The number one corner probably isn't as talented, definitely not as highly paid as William Jackson, but they are betting they overcome that with depth. I don't like that Eli Apple's starting. <laughs> I don't like yeah. <laughs> You know what's weird? And he may be fine, but that's just, it feels like this year's LaShawn Sims to me. They seem to like be comfortable with it. And like, think that it's like. How a, much choice do you have? I, I don't know. I mean, they went out. They went out and grabbed him. I think he's better than Sims, but we don't know. But Eli Eli Apple is on how many teams now? No doubt. They, and that's what's weird about like Lou and really, it seems like the you know the organization buying into him. Yeah. Who else has bought into him? Right. It's never really. I, I love. I love the pedigree of a guy who was picked high. I don't have a problem with the pedigree of a guy that was picked high. I, I just where. Where has he gone and proven it in the league? Uh, I mean, where Adam Jones was on his third team. LaShawn, Eli Apple Adam Jones not played LaShawn. good football before he got here, though. At times, right? He did. Sure, he did. I got I got Ch- uh, Ch- Chad Johnson, two thousand five in Tennessee. I don't, wasn't I, he was not a he was he was he was he was out of the league. He was. I mean, please don't. Please don't lump Eli Apple with LaShawn Sims. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a little much. For right now, it is. But, I mean, getting back to the run, this shouldn't matter. <laughs> no, no I, I'm not uh, done with this. It shouldn't matter because, to me, the whole thing is crystallized in the opener. If you let Dalvin Cook go out there and, you know, and go for 130 yards, Kirk Cousins is going to beat you. And that, you can't let that happen. That's why the run game is so important. A guy like Cousins, I mean, Cousins has to be, you know, he, Kirk Cousins can't beat you one-dimensionally. And I, I just think... I, I agree with you. Going back to Eli Apple and LaShawn Sims. Go ahead. Yeah, He, <laughs> might, he could, though. Jeff if, and Eli Apple's mom are tight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she follow his, be, follows him on Twitter, readsbengals.com. I'm sure. Yeah. I, look, Eli's mom might be taking shots at you on Twitter at some point before this year's over, even though you just defended his honor. I've already blocked her. <laughs> I've already blocked her. At least Jay. somebody will take shots at you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What, what did you, you, you felt like you had a point, James. You were about I, to say something. I, when you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, I think Kirk Cousins won one-dimensionally can beat you if the Bengals can't get pressure. And that's the thing. If, if they can't, if consistently put some heat on them, and so that ties into the run game. If you can't stop Dalvin, you're certainly not going to be able to get pressure on Kirk. But even if you slow Dalvin down, I don't think that's ball game because Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, they're better than any of the, the Bengals' top two receivers today, I would say. Maybe not after Sunday, I guess, but today I would say that. That's that fair. 
That's more fair. established. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me let me ask this question. We'll start with Charlie this time. Who is the most underrated player on the Bengals roster right now? Who's the player that we're not talking and that we know who we talk too much about? Eli right. Apple. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we spend. I stole your like answer be, because so much of the conversations we're always having are about the same like three or four people, mostly the same two people. Uh, number nine and number one. I feel like a lot of people get a chance to get passed over in us discussing them. Charlie, who do you think is the most underrated player on the roster? There are some moves that get made that are slam dunks. Drafting Joe Burrow, number one, is a slam dunk. The move we don't give the Bengals enough credit for is finding Von Bell and turning him into a real focal point of the entire defense. I bought into the fact that he's not going to look against tight ends this season the way he looked against Evan Ingram and Mark Andrews last season. I do buy into the work he has done specifically in pass coverage and how he fits overall on, uh, again, a defense with cornerbacks that aren't top of the league in that unit. Jesse Bates is crucial for the defense, but the way they view it, so is Von Bell. They're really stressing that as a unit, and he led the team in tackles last season. Again, taking a step forward in pass coverage. Also, he was a captain from the start last season, and, I mean, we all remember what he did against Pittsburgh. There's a reason they sell his jersey, and I think this year we're talking a lot more about his ability on the field as a reason he's so popular around here. D- does anybody here remember what he did against Pittsburgh? Does anybody remember Von Bell against Pittsburgh at all? I mean, I... I do think if this defense is good this year, we still look back to that play the same way in 2005 we looked back at Carson in Baltimore. You know, going into Baltimore, and it was like, oh man, that really started it, right? Where you, the defense had a personality, the defense had an attitude about them, and even though that was a mess, and Pittsburgh was a mess, and that Bengals team was just playing out the string, and they got run the next two weeks later against Baltimore, I do think that is a type of thing that play and that attitude that he has brought that we can look back on if they end up being. 11 or 10 or whatever we talk about as really when it started and that he started it. I'll buy that. Yeah, I mean, Mike Hilton said when he got here, he knew that the Bengals had something going here on that play. He felt it as a member of the Steelers last year. Um, if, if I'm going to go underrated, it's, it's not so much on what he's done so far, but what I think he's going to be, and it's Logan Wilson. I just think he's in for a really big year. He's going to be a big part of this defense. <laughs> Still a young guy, a lot to prove, but I, I think a lot of these guys, we kind of know what they are. You talk about in baseball all the time that to win a championship, you need a, a few guys to have career years. I, I don't know if that's the same in football, but you need these young guys to really grow up, and, and I think he's a key piece of that where it, 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 as he goes, even though Joe said it yesterday that, that the defense goes as Jesse Bates goes, which is a lot of truth to that, but I think – Logan Wilson could be one of the most important pieces of this defense, just based on what tight what tight ends have done to this team in the past, what this linebacker unit has been in the past. If you can upgrade that unit, I think the, the D-line's good enough, the back end's good enough. That's where the question is, and Logan can answer those. I like that. Who do you got, James? Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah. Uh, a guy that I think is is going to be such an upgrade from what they had at 3-tech last year. You could lump B.J. Hill in there, I guess, because he'll back him up and get some reps. But to me, 
We know what Reader is. We saw it in in Washington a couple weeks ago. I mean, he can be a game wrecker even in a, a you know a short amount of snaps. But who alongside him can help get pressure? And I think fit is such an important thing. Ogunjobi was misused in Cleveland. Had a bunch of different coaches, and it, and it was kind of a you know a, a never ending cycle. There comes here, plays three tech contract year. Should be entering his prime. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he has a big year. I'm with you on that. I mean, I I think the biggest difference between last year's team and this year's team is what you will get out of the defensive tackle positions. I mean, it was a... That was the reason their defense was bad last year. Carl Lawson got pressure. Sam Hubbard, when he was healthy a lot of the year, got some pressure. You know, he got a lot of pressure, right, didn't he, Mo? Wasn't Sam great last year? Yes. Your favorite player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But... Brought to you by Pepsi. But... (laughs) (laughs) But nobody... Absolutely nobody that lined up at defensive tackle got pressure last year. And that's almost like totally true. Mm-hmm. Like almost zero. And when that happens, none of the rest of it matters. In today's game, none of the none of the rest of it matters. The reason the Bengals defense was doing things it did before Trevor Simeon, like Butch talked about, was because Geno Atkins would ruin your world if you tried to do that before that. He would absolutely own the game plan. The combination of Ogan Joby and Hill and a healthy reader, and they have the Shelvin Wave, whatever those guys are all. The, Daniels the, is on the practice Daniels squad. On the practice. You were banking on him yeah. to get yeah. healthy last year. It's a year. total replenishment of the area that screwed them last year. And I think that is the, the underrated element of this team that no one is talking about is that that's why they were bad. It was because of that, and that, and guys like guy like Owen Joby at the front of that is why I think you can believe that they'll be better. I think you and I have talked a couple of different times. If you just looked at a highlight reel of Larry Owen Joby, just his best plays, which many have have come against Cincinnati, I mean, you would think that's one of the best three techniques in the NFL. Yeah, hands down. Now, that's obviously not all you get. Um, I, I have. I'll answer this two different ways. One, who do I think, who do I hope is most underrated? The two guards. Because let's face it, if I if I would have said in February, the starting guards week one are going to be Quentin Spain and Xavier Suafilo, most people would have said there's no way. Many would have said, I hope not, and some would have been downright pissed off. Um, I certainly understand why they've arrived at that place, and we've talked about this for, for months and months and months. Those guys are probably okay. But I do feel like there's a sense that that's underwhelming. It's not Jackson Carmen, It's not Joe Tooney. It's not any of the free agency options. It's a couple of guys who were on the team last year. I hope that those guys play well enough that at least until Jackson finds his way into the starting lineup that we go, you know what? We underrated the ability of those two guys to at least play at a competent level. I think their tackles are going to be okay. Trey Hopkins is fine. But again, relative to what the conversation was, as as unrealistic as those conversations might have been, if I'd have gone on the air one day and said, all right, here's the plan. Uh, week one, Quentin Spain and Xavier Suafilo are your guards. Give me a ring. What do you th-? I mean, I'd have been escorted out of the building. So I think relative to those expectations, the sense of just underwhelmingness, which is not a word, uh, I hope... Within a couple of weeks, folks go, okay, they're fine there. But I, I, 
I think T. Higgins to a degree. And it, it, the question is who's doing the rating? We all know how good T. Higgins is. But I'll give you one. Vegas plus 6,500 to lead the NFL in receiving. I think they had his over-under yards at under 1,000. Uh, yeah. Uh, by like 913. Hammer that. I mean, Hammer that. Easily. Now, again, do we all know T. Higgins had a phenomenal rookie season? Stands to have a really good chance to lead this team in receiving? Absolutely. But again, who's doing the rating? Around the country, you know, we've talked for months, Jesse Bates is underrated. Jesse Bates is underrated. Well, so much so that now he's no longer underrated. We get it. I think T. Higgins is now that guy. If you go around the NFL and you talk about the, well, the note burrow and, okay, they're bringing Mixon back. Jamar Chase can't catch anything, wants to play with a white ball. Yeah, Tyler Boyd's been there a while, but... Uh, well, who was their rookie last year? There's a guy that had almost 1,000 yards, had a phenomenal rookie year, got some of those yards, not catching passes from Joe Burrow. I think to a degree he's the answer. He's the guy. He's the guy that I think uh, around the country, around the league, is somewhat his talents and his impact are somewhat understated. Yeah, everybody will know his name after this year, mm-hmm. assuming him and Burrow both stay healthy. Should I, should I trot out the T. Higgins extrapolation fact for the nine millionth time before we start the season? Eight games, well. eight games that Joe Burrow and T. Higgins started and finished together. Over 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns if you put that over a course of 16 games. If you double it up, that's who they were. That's who they were when they played and started together last year. To me, that's the expectation of what he'll be this year, if not better, because he's improved himself since then. But that's me. Jeff, what do you got? Who's your, uh, who's your guy for most underrated? I like what Mo was talking about, the guides. I, I think they're there because if you talk to a lot of people, I think some people were thinking, I'm more comfortable with Carmen and Dante Smith there. They're physically better. But I think what they're trying to do is not to get Joe blown up early. Yeah. That's because correct. Because of a Mr. Simon. Or that. So I think at the bye week, Mo, that's going to be an interesting conversation, who the guides are. They may not be the same. Uh, my guy, uh, your, Jay, your, your guy, Jermaine Pratt. Yeah, is my underrated guy. Uh, I think uh, Al Golden said this a couple weeks ago. He said it kind of early in camp, and I think it holds up. Uh, I can be the most improved linebacker in that room, even as good as Logan Wilson looked. And I, you know, very small sample size, but first couple plays at the Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa game, he's coming downhill all over the run. One of the first and only times, thankfully, that I ever talked to Ryan Finley. Uh, I think he. Uh, <laughs> I think he said. I think he referred Ryan to, <laughs> Winley to you, Jeff. Ryan Winley. That's right. He'll always be a great meme, though. I guess I don't know. I don't know what that means, but that's fine. That's good. I just think of Charles Oscar Finley, but anyway. <laughs> nobody knows who that is, right? No nobody, knows, nobody has no idea. Not a soul knows who that is. Yeah. No. I think he did. I think he like 1923. But the thing with Pratt and um, Finley said this, who played with him in North Carolina State, he was he was like as smart a guy as you'd ever known. Finley and Finley was a smart guy. They said. But, you know, he said Pratt was into his books, and they were talking about that. I, I, I found that Logan was interesting. when we. I think I asked him about Pratt, I guess, and he did say carries himself the way you think he should, and he's, you know he's studying. So I, th- I think Pratt comes up big. I think I know early on he was a guy to look bad against the tight ends, but I think he's looked better in coverage. I know he made one um, – there was one interception that Jesse made in camp. And Jesse said that was because of Jermaine Pratt, because Pratt knew to undercut yeah. Yeah. the road. It was on CJ. It was on CJ. So that 
you know, the way he played the run. I, I think Pratt. I think Pratt comes up big. Pratt also, I think we we thought he was this guy, the the jump guy last year, right? And I think that's why maybe people sour on him. Yep. Totally uh, the agree. one thing that was said to me a lot last year was like the conversation we just had about the defensive tackles. It's hard to really judge the linebacker play last year when the defensive tackle play in front of them was so bad. When they're not covering up anybody, when they're not drawing any double teams, allowing lanes for these guys to actually go in there and make plays, yeah, it looks like Jermaine Pratt can't make a play. Because the line in front of them, though, is when they're not doing their job, that's what makes Jermaine Pratt look like a guy that maybe didn't make as many plays. And the same could be said for any of the other linebackers that were in there as well. And so maybe you're not, you weren't, it was told to me, you know, don't judge him on that because I don't think it was really all his fault, even though he did still have some growing to do. You're exactly right on the D tackles. They were playing, uh, they were playing, the, the two guys who got most of the snaps, one guy got there on Labor Day, the other guy got there on Columbus Day. It, you, you are not going to win with that. No, absolutely not. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for for roundtabling. It was a good. It was a good. Uh, a good roundtable. We think we uncovered some good things. Uh, you, are you asking for the Xavier Suafilo star turn this year, which I think we're all anticipating? Let me just. I was thinking about this <laughs> right after I got done talking about those two guys uh, at the beginning of free agency. I had a day off, and James filled in. And I had a chance to listen to oh, this 15, is gonna be 20 good. minutes. Yeah. And a guy emailed Radio Magic. A guy, well, it was great, but a guy emailed me and said, you should have your producer um, <laughs> go through the three hours and grab every time James said the name Joe Tooney. <laughs> and I said, that's a great idea for somebody that's not me. So Taryn, my producer, I said, here's what you got to do. Go through the three hours. And every time James said, Tooney, grab it, and we'll put them all together. And I came back down about an hour later he's like look i didn't do the whole three hours but i have 110 tunies <laughs> was this free agent friday it, was this free yeah. agent friday oh you, you're, you would have to you have to you'd be dead free agent friday was free that agent this? Fr- it was yeah. free agent friday because everybody was calling right. and saying sign joe tune right so <laughs> everybody so again you're the, just answering the question the, 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 again the, but it, to me it's a somewhat humorous illustration of that was the conversation and so i i think if again it's it's kind of relative to what people thought they might do on the offensive line and compared to what we have two and a half days before the opener it feels underwhelming it may work i I think there's a decent chance it does but i hope that we go god you know what those two guys they got it right even if it was not the plan. Even if it was by default, they got it right. If not, I still have the Joe Tooney reel. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be a free agent in like five years. <laughs> Save it. I look forward to after 17 games, we give me, man, those guys were totally fine and okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is like, man, what a dream scenario that would be. They were fine and okay. It was great. Thanks to everybody for coming out tonight. And uh, it was great, great seeing everybody in person. Have a couple of beers on us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.